Bibles, open them to Nehemiah chapter 3. Well, if any of you um, ever played uh, basketball, baseball, tennis, or golf, then there's one phrase that you will hear a lot of from coaches, and that is follow through. You got to follow through on the swing. You got to follow through on the jump shot. Because if you don't, it's going to be a bad shot, a bad swing. And so the concept of follow through is very important in the life of sports, but also in life. Because we all have responsibilities, right? Daily responsibilities, daily things that we are in charge of. And if we don't follow through, on those things, there can be consequences. So the question, a couple of questions for myself and for you, is do you follow through on your verbal commitments? If you commit to do something, do you follow through on it? Or do you commit to things knowing in your heart you have no intention on ever doing them? Which one are you? Which one am I? Yes, I'll serve there. But will I? Yeah, I'll head that up. But will I? I get that done ASAP. Will I? Will you follow through? Will I follow through? The same question, the same concept of follow through, not only applies to us, but also to the people that Nehemiah went to serve. Remember the last time we were there, the people all agreed to help Nehemiah, right? Yeah, Nehemiah, we're going to rise up and build. We're going to strengthen our hands for the work. We're behind you. Really? You can talk a good game, but did they back it up? They say they were going to be there. They say they had his back, but did they? Really? Was it genuine? Was their commitment to him genuine? Or was it some spur-in-the-moment decision that was not going to bear any fruit? It was true. They just didn't get caught up in some type of emotional moment. It was real. Yes, it was real. In all of chapter 3, you see the people rise up as a community of people, following through on their commitment to Nehemiah to rise up, to help build, to participate in their own restoration. So it's a community working together, a community working under Nehemiah's leadership. And that's what we see here in chapter 3. So who? Who was these people? Who were the people that stood up to work? It's interesting that the chapter begins by highlighting the fact that the high priests and the other priests were the first ones to stand up to help Nehemiah build. The priests got their hands dirty first. You see, the high priests and the priests, they had a very important role in this, this community. They were spiritual leaders. They were in charge of the temple, the sacrifices, all manners of worship within the community. And by them standing up first, by them standing up first to come alongside Nehemiah, it helped Nehemiah to have the spiritual leaders of the community on his side. Yes, Nehemiah, we with you. I'm going to get dirty first. I'm going to start building first. Don't miss that importance, the importance of that. And I believe 
they also gave validation to Nehemiah as well. Because the spiritual leaders of the community stood up. They stood up after Nehemiah told them this. What did he tell them in chapter 2? He says, you see the trouble we are in, people. How Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer disgrace. I told them the hand of my God had, how the hand of my God had been upon me for good. And also the words of the king. And the people said, let us rise up and build. You see, the priests support that. They believe that Nehemiah was sent by God. And by them standing up first, it encouraged other people as well. Because if they weren't on their side, the spiritual leaders, would other people follow? Really? I don't think so. So what does chapter 3 have to do with us? You see, once the priest stood up, all these other groups of people followed. Diverse groups of people. Rulers, men and women, craftsmen, merchants, people who lived in different areas of the, uh, of the area, who lived outside of Jerusalem, came back into Jerusalem to help build. They left what they were doing to come back to do this work, which was a good work, to rebuild the wall. They were diverse, but yet they were unified. What was their unity? They were Jewish people. What's, what, did, what being a Jew meant? It meant you were a people of God. You were part of the people of God. That's their unity. That's what held them together. That's why they came back to help restore the wall. Not only that, they were diverse, they worked in unity, but they also stayed in their role. Something Mark always says. What do you mean by that, Alex? Every person didn't work on the same part of the wall, did they? Different people worked on different sections of the wall. They were spread out, and they stayed in their area, worked in their area, their role. They didn't interfere with each other. Everyone had their own responsibilities. And as you know, our city and parts of our state are also in a restoration mode, trying to restore what was destroyed by the tornadoes. And many people... Some of us have followed through in volunteer efforts to aid in the recovery. A lot of churches, a lot of um, other parts of the city have stood up to the plate, have come. Other states have come to help us restore what was broken. So we have a real picture in our state of what this looks like right now, or even right over in Harvest, about 20 minutes away, of being something that's broken being restored, people who are in distress people who have suffered loss and a lot of folks have come to help and that's a good thing some of who may not even be Christian it's still a good thing and some of you last week have um, served meal here last week for the, for the community and that's a good thing and I thank y'all for doing that thank y'all for doing that and I thank you as a church you are a church that follows through uh, we are a ministry that follows through we made, when I first came on board with the ministry, Mark told me that we made a 20-year commitment to this community. 20-year commitment, which means we ain't ever going nowhere. Which means every year, for 20 years, we're going to follow through. Well, not if we're going to follow through. Maybe we're going to follow through, but we will follow through in our ministry here, in all that we do, 
in the power of the Holy Spirit backing us. No matter what storms come, no matter what setbacks we have, we're going to stay the course. Right? Right. Not just in the community, but you serve one another as well. You follow through in loving one another as well. And I thank you for that too. It's an honor for me to be your pastor, to be partners with you in this ministry. Because it's not me. It's not Alex's church. It's Christ's church. And we're partners in this together. I need grace just like you. I need the gospel just like you. I'm hell accountable just like you. So we're in this together. We follow through together. And we have been. And I love that. We are a diverse group of people. And by God's grace, we're going to continue to be a diverse, diverse group of people. But what happens... The more people we get, the more issues may come up. But we can't ever forget, what unifies us is the fact that we are part of the people of God. The work does not unify us. You do know the difference, right? The work doesn't. The work cannot unify us. Christ unifies us. That's the source of our unity. We're the people of God. The restoration they were doing in Jerusalem was not their unity. It was not the source of their unity. The source of their unity was the fact they were the people of God. And so they went back to Jerusalem because of that. We are unified in Christ. And when we start forgetting that, we're building on sand. We're building on sand. What's going to keep us together? What's going to help us persevere through these 20 years is we don't ever forget the source of our unity. We stay firm in that. That empowers you. You are a people of God, a child of God. You got to live that out. So we hold firm to those things. Remember I said that these people, they, they worked on different sections of the wall. Not everyone worked in the same place. Everyone stayed in their role. Learn from that. Learn from that. You're not going to be able to do everything. And you shouldn't be jealous of other people who do more than you. Do the thing that God has called you to do and do it faithfully. And don't try to tell other people how to do what God has called them to do. You can offer advice. You can give them counsel. But stay in your role. And they stay in their role. And we support one another through the process. Everyone has gifts. Everyone has talents. Use that for the building up of the body to go out take the gospel in the community. And let the Spirit use you. If it's just planting seeds, then so be it. Be content with planting seeds. And you're still doing what God has called you to do. Because he is the one that causes the growth. Not us. Not my preaching. Not our ministry style. Not our money. Not our lack of money. It's always the Spirit. That's it. When things get done, because God's Spirit has taken what was used and grew it. Not us. It's always his spirit. I lost my place now. Okay. So what else that means? If you're gifted with helping kids, help with kids, man. Hospitality, do hospitality. If it's tutoring in the schools, do tutoring in the schools. If it's teaching Bible study, teaching Sunday school, do that. Just do, do that. Just be faithful. And it's one thing that God has called you to do. We are, as a church, getting ready to move into a different phase of our existence. What I mean by that, 
We got six men who will be starting officer training next week. And you need to pray for these men, like I said. You need to pray for their families. They're going to be, hopefully these men will be elders and deacons. And I'm here to tell you, they will follow through on what they're supposed to do. And if you don't want to follow through, then you need to do some heart checking as an officer in this church. We will faithfully, in humility, follow through on serving you. We're going to do that. Now, we ain't going to be perfect. We're going to fall short. But we will serve you faithfully. We will get our hands dirty, too. Just like those priests did. We'll be the first. We're going to get dirty with you. We're not going to be governing this church from a high office. We're governing the field, baby. With you. And that's a guarantee. As long as I'm here, we're going to get dirty, too. So, um... Now, don't think all this applies just to church life and ministry in terms of following through. It also applies to every other area of your life. Following through and being a good mom. Following through and being a good spouse, a good husband, a good neighbor, a good friend. That's what it applies to every area. A good brother, a good sister, a good child to your parents, a good boss, a good employee. You see, the follow-through is you faithfully living out your personal responsibilities in all humility and the bond of peace and unity. It's faithfully living out your responsibilities in all humility and the bond of peace and unity. What does that look like? It, it means you're going to get sweaty and sometimes bruised to have a good marriage. If you, if you don't think that, you're never going to have a good marriage. It ain't just going to happen. To raise your kids, you're going to get sweaty and you're going to get bruised. You will. If you don't think so, then you're in denial. To do ministry, to do anything in this life, you're going to get sweaty. You're going to get, going to get bruised. There's going to have to be effort. There's going to be effort. And we do all those things underneath the gospel, underneath the cross, underneath the grace. But we never abandon our responsibilities. To what God has called us to do. I never should say, well, you know, I, I guess I could be a good husband, but, you know, I don't feel like being a good husband today. Uh, I don't really feel like spending time with my kids today. Am I gonna, is, that, is that something a good dad would live and do? A good husband would do? No. You don't say those things. Through the power of the Spirit, I want to faithfully be a good husband to Waikita, faithfully be a good pet father to Madison and Tracy through God's Spirit. And that goes for each of us, all of us. A month ago, I met, I met a, uh, a guy in front of the church. Um, he told me he was, he was homeless, and he, he, he wondered if we had, I had any food that, that, that we can give him. And I said, sure, man, come with me to the kitchen. So we went to the kitchen, and I packed him up some food, and then we started talking. He told me a little bit about his story, about how he got in the place that he is and the bad decisions that he's made. Um, I asked him if he had family here in Huntsville. He said he had a sister, and he sleeps on her couch sometimes. And I told him, I said, you need to talk to your sister, man. Ask her to let her take you in until you get on your feet. And he told me, I don't want to burden her. I don't want her, I don't want to be a burden to my sister. She's a single mom, and, and I don't want to be a burden to her. And so I continued to, he came, he's on being by a couple of times. And each time he comes by, I asked him, have you talked to your sister yet? He says, no. I have not told her yet. And I, I took from, from that, from those conversations with him, 
You know, I've been doing, I've been thinking about that. Why won't he follow through? Why won't he talk to her? Why won't he talk to his family? You know, I'm homeless. Please take me in. And for some reason, wherever it may be, people just won't follow through. For some reason, people just won't follow through. No matter if they need to, they won't follow through on some, on some good things that they need to do. His family will probably would take him in. But for some reason, he feels like he's a burden. And so that prevents him from asking her. You know, all of us have those things in our life that prevents us from following through. All of us do. All of us do. And even here in Nehemiah, everybody didn't get dirty. In chapter 3, not everybody worked. Some people thought they were too good to work. Some people thought they were too good to get their hands dirty. And, and of course, in verse 5 here, we see it says that the, that the next to them, the Tekoatites were paired, but that nobles would not stoop to serve the Lord. That one verse, of all the people that's working, you have this one group of people who would not stoop to serve the Lord. Tekoa was a town located 11 miles outside of Jerusalem. And so their residents, along with other people from other locations, came back to Jerusalem to work. And these other Torahites, man, they repaired two sections of the wall. Not just one, two. But their nobles would not stoop to do anything. Would not bend their necks and lift their hands to do nothing. Now the text, it doesn't tell us, it doesn't give us a particular reason why they didn't work. It just says they would not. It could have been because of their status that they were too good to get their hands dirty. It could be because they didn't want to follow Nehemiah's leadership. There's no way to know for sure. But the point is that no matter how convinced you are that the Lord is behind the work, there will be some people who would not work. There are going to be some people who ain't going to support it. No matter how good the vision is, they ain't going to participate for whatever reason it may be. That's the reality. Not everyone's going to do it. This is a reality in every church, in every ministry. Let me ask you, do you think we have some Tetoa-type nobles in our church? Or do you think we will? Do you think we have any right now? Yes, I'm one of them. So are you. What do you mean by that, Alex? I mean that no matter how strong you are, how convinced you are of what God has called you to do, no matter how passionate you are about your responsibilities, all of us have our kryptonite. All of us do. All of us have those things that can knock us out of the battle for good. Do you know yours? It's easy to spot fear, self-righteousness, selfishness, laziness. What about hopelessness? Can that knock you out? Can that prevent you from falling through? It can. A young church like ours, overcommitment can easily burn us out. And when you burn out, guess what's going to happen? You will no longer stoop to serve the Lord because you overcommitted yourself. You see, easiness, wanting it to be easy is a kryptonite. 
Because you don't want to come up with no, you don't want to have any opposition. You want things just to be a, a street of gold, man. Just because you show up with the gospel, the streets ain't going to be gold, man. <laughs> it's not. Just because you come up and say, we're going to have, we got this good work, everyone is not going to be excited about it. It's not going to be easy. You're going to have people working against you. This church, this ministry, not everyone like us. Just because we rave the Christian flag doesn't mean it's going to be easy. And there's no, and there's no such thing as having the Staples easy button that's going to change it. <laughs> it's not going to change that. Do you think it was easy for them to repair the wall? You think it was easy work? They didn't have the stuff that we have today. No, it was sweaty. It was tiring. I'm pretty sure they got on each other's nerves, too, at some point. It was, it was hard work, but yet it was good. Nehemiah said it was a good work. So just like what we're doing in this ministry, just like the recovery efforts that are going on in our city, it's going to take time. It's going to be hard work. It's going to take um, sweat and, and, and bruises to get it all done. But you don't give up. You see, as a father, a husband, a pastor, a son, a brother, grandson, a friend, it's a battle for me to be faithful and follow through in all those things. It's a battle. There are days when I'm just tired. Days when I'm selfish. Days when I'm thinking only about Alex. It's a battle to, to, to balance spending time in the community, trying to shepherd this church. It's a battle for me. You know, what's my kryptonite in this? What, what's my kryptonite and, and is it going to prevent me from falling through? It's fear. Fear of not having control. Overworking. Not taking my day off. Burning out. I, I, told, I shared with y'all a few weeks ago, I was this close. And to my own shame that I have not been taking better care of myself. Being a slave to trying to fix everybody's problems. Taking every criticism about the church personal. As if this is a personal attack against me. Those things are kryptonite to me. And if I ever, when I give in to them, I'm going down a dangerous path. Trusting in my gifts alone. Lack of patience. On Wednesday, I went to you know, Starbucks and to finish writing the sermon. You know, I got me a green tea. I sat down. As soon as I sat down, the wave of sorrow came. See, for, for five days, I've been out of town and, and doing things and hadn't thought about ministry, but as soon as I sat down, it came. It was like it was just waiting for me to get back in town. <laughs> and that morning, all of it came. Powerlessness, hopelessness, feeling like I was missing the mark. I'm out of the loop about everything. Oh, no, God, here it comes. It's all coming down now. And what did I do? I ran to Psalm 139 to remind myself that God is still at work. And then in my journal, my prayer journal, this is what I wrote to God. I said, I'm not doing well right now. My heart just went into a state of sorrow. Spirit, please don't let me go down this path of despair and feeling sorry for myself. I feel the pressures to be great, and yet I see how far from great I truly am. 
Spirit, help me to believe and embrace the words I preach every week. I'm not as strong as I pretend to be. I am a weak man who struggles to be the man I need to be in this life. Strengthen me by your grace. Comfort me with your promises of eternal faithfulness. You know me and have searched me. You are mindful that I am nothing but dust. Nothing but dust. He is faithful. And I praise God that he, was able, that he the Spirit didn't let me go because I was headed down that path. And I saw Mark at Starbucks that day. I didn't tell what was going on. I think I lied to you and I said I was okay and I wasn't. <laughs> so forgive me, brother. <laughs> but I wanted to, you know, I had to process stuff. That's me. When I'm, I have to process to figure out what's going on. But it's the battle. You know, one professor said in, in one of my seminary classes, he says, Praise God for the man who never gives up on having family devotions. And I've been thinking about that for years now. What did he really mean by that? He meant praise God for the man who never gives up. Praise God for us who never gives up on following through to be good parents, to be good ministers, to be a good elder or deacon, a good friend, a good neighbor. Praise God for those who don't give up fighting to do those things. And, and that's it. It's never perfection. You just get back up. I know, Miss, you don't listen to hip-hop, but artist J.C. has a song that says, get that dirt off your shoulders. That's what you do through the, spot, through the spirit. You get up, the dirt off your shoulders, and move on. You're going to fall. You're going to get beat down. You're going to get kicked sometime. But you have the power to always rise up, to rise up above what you're going through. Amen. We have that because God's spirit lives in you. God's people is with you. And so you can tap into those sources of power. Remember, our Israelite friends, they were knocked down. They were kicked around. Before Nehemiah went to Jerusalem, his brother told them what was going on, shame and distress. And yet right here they rise up to help him in the midst of what was going on, in the midst of all their chaos. You see, Nehemiah's presence in the community, it reinforced this one truth that God had not forgotten them. That their God was still at work, still on working on their behalf, despite their circumstances. What empowered the people to join Nehemiah? Did he have to use shame? Did he use guilt? Did he use deception to get them to work? No. What did he do? He testified to what God has already done. What God had already done to bring him to Jerusalem. And so the people saw that as the Lord at work. And so they stood up and rose up and fought and to help build. You see, in chapter 2, verse 20, Nehemiah says, the God of heaven will make us prosper. And so we, his servants, will rise and build. That's faith, people. Faith that God is at work on behalf of his people. Do you believe your God will make you prosper in what he has called you to do in this life? Or do you think that doesn't apply to me, Alan? Not for me. For some other person, yes, but not for me. It's for you. That's a promise for you. He will make you prosper. He will bring you out of the storms. When the tornadoes came through um, Wednesday night, I was, Madison I, and Trace were in the basement, and I said, Madison, bad storms are coming through. You know what she said? Jesus can calm the storm, Daddy. He can calm the storms in your life. If my little four-year-old daughter understands that, how much should we? that the storms you go through 
Jesus will calm them in his timing. But he will come, people. He will come. And so the question is always this question, do you know him? Do you know Jesus? And if you know him, are you growing in your walk with him? The priority of the day is, is that we have to take serious our spiritual life, your spiritual health. It's, it's more than just knowing stuff. It's more than just reading theology books and sitting around the table talking about theology. Do you love Christ? Do you? Do, is his word, is it really the air you breathe? It has to be your air that you breathe. Time in prayer, time with God's people. That's what it has to be. If what you do, if your work, if that's your milk and honey, then you're building on sand. You're building your life on sand, and it ain't going to stand up. You have to build upon a firm foundation. The Jews were completely confident that the Lord was going to make them prosper, so they worked and they pressed on in the midst of opposition. And we can do the same. We can do the same. One of my seminary professors told, said, told a group of pastors, he says, as pastors, you have an audience of one, and that is Jesus. And as God's people, you have an audience of one, and that's God. And he is well pleased with you. You have all of his attention. He is well pleased with you. And all your responsibilities are audience of one. Think about it like this. Let's say a little child you know, they, they, their parent give the child a coloring book. The child colors the coloring book and colors this little page. She's excited about the picture and that she's going to color this page for her dad. That's real. She spends maybe 30 minutes doing coloring this page. So she tears it out. She runs up to her dad and says, here, daddy, here, daddy, I, I colored this for you. The dad gets the picture. He looks at it. He sees that it's not perfect. You know, she didn't stay within the lines. You know, it's, it's blurry. But does a good father say, I don't like this. Go back and color me another one and stay within the lines this time. Does a good dad do that? Now, why do you think God would do that to you? Why? All your life, you're going to be coloring outside the lines. All your life. You ain't ever going to be within the lines. And every time, the father takes it and it goes up on the fridge. Not because of what you do, but because you're already his sons and daughters in Christ. In Christ. That empowers you, people, when you understand that. When you understand that's the gospel. That's the grace. And that's what each of us have. So as you go out and have your imperfect coloring, know that the Father is with you. And be confident that whatever you do, you do it as unto the Lord. Knowing that from Christ you will receive your inheritance. You are serving Christ in all that you do in this life. For the life you live in this life, you live by faith in Christ. And it's no longer you who lives, but Christ lives in you through his spirit. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the awesomeness of your grace, the magnificent of, magnificentness of it. And as we go out, we got a lot on our plates. We got a lot to do. We have a lot of responsibilities. But we go out knowing that we are empowered by our God. And we do it as unto you. And you will give us what we need to do that. Help us to, to be more sensitive to the Spirit's leading in this life. That he lives in us. And I pray, Lord, we'll be sensitive to that. And I pray for all that's going on in this community, all that we got going on in this church. That, Lord, you receive all the glory for it. It's not us. It's our God. 
And that when people see us, they will give praises to our God and King. In Christ's name I pray.